0: SITAM is actually responding to uh, the hunger situation in our country. Um, the bishop and the SITAM leadership is putting together something and will be involving uh, in the course of time because we want to be relevant. But just in case you are available to um, uh, help with the distribution of this food that SITAM will be purchasing, please just contact us and we'll be happy just to engage you on the same. Amen. Let me invite uh, Bob. Bob Mikalo is now the music ministry director at, C- at, at um, NPC Parklands here. <laughs> Amen. We are glad to have Bob on our team and on our side. Amen. We want to pray for Bob uh, right now, and also pray for the ministry of God's Word. Uh, Bob's sister and brother are with us in the service. Please stand. <laughs> amen they are they are visiting from uh, DRC dlc congo we don't have time for them to sing in this service but in the next service they will get some time to sing amen let's pray for bob father we thank you in the name of jesus christ for calling and for gifting Your servant, Bob, thank you that you've sent him to Parklands for times such as this. And we appreciate his ministry to us the way you've helped him raise the bar, raise the standard in worship and in music here at Parklands. Lord, we dedicate him to you even as he leads. Uh, the music ministry arm of this uh, church we pray and ask for wisdom that the anointing will rest heavily upon him father use him and together with the entire team to bring honor and glory to your name even as he works together with pastor ellie our worship and youth pastor that lord uh, uh, you will just it will please you lord to inhabit the praises of your people as we gather together in song and, and in worship so we dedicate him to you in the name of the father the son and of the holy spirit and we declare that he's blessed in every way Thank you that his needs are met fully in you, Jehovah God. Father, we thank you even for the time that we have just to hear your word. We pray for Pastor David oginde that he brings forth the word of God. The Lord, you'll use him yet again. Thank you that he's been available just yet again, though he's on a sabbatical, to come and bring the word of God to us. Use him, we ask, and may you quicken our understanding of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Bob. Amen. <laughs> to bring us God's word this Sunday, uh, in our services is the Reverend David Oginde. Reverend Oginde is um, not new to us. He is a senior pastor at NPC Valley Road but currently on sabbatical. He was gracious enough just to come out of sabbatical to be with us uh, here at NPC Parklands and we are honored to have him. Let's put our so together us to welcome him.
1: I'm being wired here for for action not used to these gadgets yeah I think now it's working but it might fly off (laughs) praise the Lord amen Amen. I'm truly grateful to the Lord for an opportunity like this to come and to be with you in this service I was asked by pastor to come and uh, share with you from the word of God I was called out of my sabbatical to join the pastors in the pastors retreat uh, last week and uh, Bishop also asked me to share from the word of God a devotional during our pastors meeting and I think that's where Pastor Kuchio got this great idea of if you can speak to us there why can't you come and speak to us here and I'm glad that uh, he gave me that opportunity and so here we are uh, to share from the Word of God. My wife is not here this morning, but uh, they are coming in the next service because we have gotten used to this sabbatical thing. Uh, our day starts a little later than this. and So I allowed them to continue with, the, with that practice of uh, not waking up so early. I understand that you have been looking at the whole issue of God's favor And uh, pastor asked me to come and share with you on the same because actually that's what I was sharing on uh, from a different angle at our pastor's retreat uh, last week. And So he asked me, why don't you come and share this same thought with our congregation because this is the kind of thing that we are engaged in at the moment and I believe that they would be blessed. So I had no excuse because the sermon was already there Uh, It was just to fine-tune it and bring it to the level of our membership. And so I want to share with you the secret to enjoying God's favor. The secret to enjoying God's favor. That will be our message for this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis from where we are going to look at a story that I know is familiar to all of us uh, maybe you have even preached from the same, or you have had many, many sermons from the same. But I pray that the Lord will use that uh, to speak to us this morning. You will agree with me that the Christian life is a journey that is both exciting but also very challenging. There are many pitfalls that we face as believers in our walk as we go along. Uh, this life's road, and uh, especially the narrow road to which we have been called because the Bible says narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and to eternal life. And so we find that many, many uh, obstacles stand in our way uh, that seek to derail us from that which we are supposed to uh, achieve or the faith in which we are called to live. And I want to just bring this into light as we consider how we can enjoy God's favor in our walk with the Lord. The many pitfalls that come our way seek to take us away from enjoying God's favor. Because the Bible says in Isaiah that God's hand is not short, that he should not save. Neither his ear deaf that he cannot hear, but it is our sin that separates between us and our God. So the reality therefore is that sin does separate us from God, and when that happens, obviously we are taken away from that position from where we can enjoy God's favor. The reality also is that none of us can claim to be immune to these challenges, these temptations, these sins that seek to attract, uh, attack us and distract us from our walk with the Lord. In fact, the devil is so daring that he did not even spare God's own son, Jesus Christ. You would remember that just before Jesus embarked on his ministry, three times the devil tried to get Jesus to do what was not right. And Jesus only responded and overcame him by quoting to him the word of God. As we walk the narrow road, we would be absolutely naive to imagine, especially those of us who have been in this faith for a long time, to imagine that we have reached that point that we are now immune to the attacks of the enemy, that now we are safe from the attacks of the enemy. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says that if you think you are standing, be careful lest you fall. Whereas I know that, uh, especially this being a youth service, the gold, the girls, and the glory are the unholy trinity that has brought many people down. I want to propose that there are other more subtle things that will get us off track. There are more subtle ways in which the devil will come to us. You know, as you walk with the Lord and you have lived for the Lord for a long time, it is very unlikely that the devil would just be so daring as to bring some of these things to your way. He knows that that one you will just refuse because it is so clear-cut. So he will find other ways, more subtle ways, in which he can get us off the track. And I want to illustrate this from Genesis chapter 4. We'll read from verse 1 to verse number 7. Genesis chapter 4 from verse 1 to verse number 7. The secret of enjoying God's favor. The Bible tells us that after Adam had rejoiced over the discovery of his wife by his side, in chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Adam lay with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but... You must master it. From this story, I want us to pick out a few truths about Cain and Abel and their sacrifices which they offered to the Lord and how God responded to those sacrifices. The first thing we notice is that Cain's and Abel's offerings were voluntary, they gave out of their own initiative. Cain and Abel decided that they wanted to worship the God of their fathers. There is no evidence that God required of them any kind of sacrifice that they should offer to him. In any case, up to this particular point, we find that Adam and Eve did not engage in any kind of worship that involved the giving of sacrifices. And so it is safe to assume that these people just out of their own devotion to God, they felt that they should bring something as an offering to the Lord, something that would honor God and would make God happy, the God of their fathers, voluntary sacrifice. Secondly, they, these sacrifices were given according to their abilities. Cain and Abel were in different professions, they were doing different things. Though both of them were farmers, Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. And so, according to verse 3 and 4, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil and Abel brought an offering to the Lord from the portions of the firstborn of his flock. So, Cain and Abel brought that which they had according to what they were doing. The third thing I want us to notice quickly is that they, received, they were received differently by God. The Bible records that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Let me pause at this moment and just mention that many attempts have been made by Bible scholars and ordinary Christians to try and understand and try and explain why God responded so differently to Cain's and Abel's offerings. Some have reasoned that God wanted a meat offering. Nyama <laughs> Choma. And that's why he accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's because Cain brought grain. But I want to propose that there is no evidence in Scripture that this was the case. Because when later in the book of Leviticus, the time of Moses, when God institutes the formal offering system, grains were among the offerings that were acceptable as offerings before God. And so people brought the fruit of the land, whether they were crops, or fruits, or whatever it is, whatever you had harvested, you brought them before God, and they were acceptable offerings before God. God could not have changed after punishing Cain so severely. Then now begins to accept Otherwise, Cain will ask him in heaven, so what was the big deal? (laughs) That you refused my offering, and now you are accepting other people's offerings. In any case, in our time, how many of us dragged goats into this place or rams into this house? All of us came with some coins and some papers and we offered them to the Lord and they were acceptable before God. And so we cannot reason out and say that God just wanted the fat or rams. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 8, verse 12, that one cannot give what one does not have. He says that if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Therefore, a gift is accepted according to what one has. Otherwise, the gifts of money and such other things would not be acceptable before God. But others have argued that maybe it was Cain's attitude that made his his sacrifice unacceptable. But again, we are not told of any negative attitude on the part of Cain or any positive attitude on the part of Abel. So these to me are mere speculations as to what may have caused Abel's offering to be acceptable and Cain's uh, uh, offerings not to be acceptable. The only thing we know for sure, and which the Bible clearly says in the portion that we have read, is that God looked with favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain's offering, he did not look with favor. In other words, God, out of his own volition, out of his own choice, chose to look upon Abel and his offering. If you read carefully, it is not just his offering. It is Abel and his offering. And Cain and his offering. So it was not just an issue of what you offered, but is the totality of the whole package. And God chose to favor Abel above Cain. Now the synonyms for favor those of us who have gone to the English class favor is an act of kindness goodwill grace these are the words that are synonyms for the word favor. Favor is bestowed freely. It is the opposite of reward. When you are rewarded, it means you have done something good and therefore you are rewarded for that which you have done. But when somebody looks upon you with favor, it means that you may not even deserve that which you have been given. That's why when someone acts in favor against another one, there is so much pain. The reason that Cain felt so angry is because God favored Abel. If it was the issue of bringing the right kind of offering, Cain should not have had any legitimate reason for being angry. How many of us have been in families and your brother is favored above you or your sister is favored above you, not because they are doing anything that is special or spectacular beyond what you are doing, but the parents seem to favor this one person. Read about it again in the book of Genesis in the house of Jacob. When Joseph was favored, the other brothers ganged up together to get rid of him. They were angry at that favor. Favoritism, even in the workplace, elicits such pain and people begin to feel Why is so and so being favored? I know what is going on in your mind. So does God favor other people above others? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. God favors other people above others. If you want more about that, read the whole book or I'll rather the whole chapter of Romans chapter 9, where Paul argues about God's favoritism, how God chooses others against others. In verse 10, he talks about Rebekah's children and says, Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose, of a, a purpose in election might stand not by works but by him who calls she was told the older will serve the younger just as it is written Jacob I loved but Esau I hated and Paul anticipates the reaction and says in verse 14 what then shall we say is God unjust not at all He says in verse 15, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Paul concludes in verse 16 of Romans chapter 9. Paul therefore argues here that the blessings that we enjoy as members of God's household of faith Are not dependent on anything that we do, but on God's favor and on God's mercy. The fourth thing we notice about these sacrifices is that they were the cause of Cain's bitterness. Cain became very angry. And the Bible says his face was downcast. And we can say, rightfully so, understandably, even I would have been angry. But interestingly, God's response to Cain is given to us in chapter six, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? A redundant question. Why is your face downcast? And God has this habit of asking redundant questions. You know, Jesus meets a blind man by the roadside and asks him, so what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) I mean, you can see, I can't see. What what are you asking? (laughs) Lord, that I might see. And God asks, On his request. And so God tells Cain, asks Cain here, Why are you so angry? Why is your face so downcast? Then he makes a powerful statement in verse 7, which is actually the focus of our meditation. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, this may sound like a contradiction to all that I have said. Because I've just said favor is not bestowed because of what you have done. But God is saying here, telling Cain, if you do what is right, will you not find the favor? In other words, God is telling Cain that there was something right that God expected of him, which if he did, he would not be rewarded, but rather he would enjoy the favor. Are we together? So this right thing that he was to do would not earn him God's favor, but it would place him in a position of receiving God's favor. Again, I do not want to speculate on what that right thing was. All I want to point out at this point is this. Judging from the response of Cain to God upon this proposal, I want to believe that When God told Cain that, Cain understood clearly what God was talking about. That's why he does not ask God, so what is this right thing you want me to do? Do you find him asking that? No. Cain knew what it was that he needed to do to be in a place to enjoy God's favor. God knew what it was that he expected of Cain to do in order to be in a place to enjoy God's favor. And so Cain is told, if you do what is right, and I want you to note something there about what God says. God does not speak in the past tense. If you did what is right, would you not be accepted? In other words, the opportunity has passed. If you had done what was right, you too would have enjoyed God's favor. But God is speaking in the present tense. Some English there again. If you do right now what is right, will you not be accepted? In other words, Cain still had the opportunity to do what is right. And Cain understood what it was that he needed to do that would place him in God's favor. But God also warned Cain, if you do not do it, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must master it. The choice that is laid before Cain is an amazing one. It is like choosing between life and death. If you choose to do the right thing, you enjoy the God's favor. If you do not choose to do the right thing, sin is crouching at your door. I wish we could say that Cain chose to do the right thing. Unfortunately, Cain did neither of the two things that God told him. He neither did the right thing nor did he master the sin that was crouching at his door. He therefore missed God's opportunity to come under the favor of the Lord and sin that was crouching at his door took him and had him and instead of him mastering the sin that sin mastered him. Cain rose and killed his brother, becoming the first murderer in the Bible. Let me apply this to us as I close. Just like in the case of Cain and Abel, I believe that all of us who are believers, we are into this thing out of choice, out of our free will. I know I have given testimony of how God cornered me into getting saved. But ultimately, I made a choice. I made a choice to respond to that call which God had given me. We are not forced into salvation. We are not forced into the Christian walk. You are here even this morning by your choice. There are many people who are not here because they chose otherwise. And they are enjoying their sleep or whatever it is they are enjoying. But we chose freely to come and worship our God. The choice is a free one. Of course, I know that there is God's calling that drives us and compels us. But ultimately, it is out of free will. We serve the Lord with that which he has bestowed upon each one of us. Some of us are crop farmers like Cain. Others of us are livestock farmers like Abel. Some of us are better endured than others. Some of us are tall, others are short. Some are women and some are men. Some are boys and others are girls. There are certain things that you, you cannot change about yourself. They are givens in your life. And so when God comes to us and expects us to serve him, to live for him, he is not expecting you to transform from one person to another one. God is not expecting you to become taller so that you can serve him as a tall person. Neither is he expecting you to become shorter so that you can serve him as a short person. He is not expecting a woman to be transformed into a man in order to serve him. Neither is he expecting a man to transform into a woman to serve him. God expects us to serve him just as we are, as the songwriter would put it. And so God has called us to serve him with what we have. I do not imagine that God expects any of us To try and imitate another person or attempt to go to offer to God what we do not have. Jesus once was watching people giving offerings in church. Many gave very richly out of their abundance. But in Mark chapter twelve, verse forty-two, the Bible records that a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Similarly, speaking about spiritual gifts, Paul clearly says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, Now to each one of us a manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. To one is given the Spirit of the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by another Spirit. Others miraculous powers, and he goes on to list, and then he says in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. In other words, whatever gift God has given to each one of us, it is to be our sacrifice to God, in our service to him. Yet one of the realities of life, I must confess, is that God will bestow special favors upon various individuals. And this is a reality that we must come to terms with. Some will appear to enjoy some very special favor and supersonic growth and development in their lives and in their ministries. And so, you may have been saved together or sat in the same class in school or worse still, you may have been even saved for longer And yet God seems to favor this one individual better than he does you. The temptation at such moments is to fall into the trap of Cain and to feel angry and have your face downcast. As you wonder, why is it that God always blesses these people? And this even extends to material blessing. This guy just graduated the other day from school. Now he has landed one of the best jobs in town. He's driving one of the best cars that is available. He's living in the best part of town. He has got a very good wife. His children are doing well. Surely what is it that I did or did not do? that I'm also not going in the same direction. These are normal feelings of human beings. You are looking at me as if you have never felt that way. (laughs) At such moments, it is important to listen to the voice of God speaking to us and saying, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, not in past tense, but now, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to master you. I was in a place the other day. And this minister of the Lord was sharing in a very humble way. I guess if it was out of pride, it would not have affected me. But in a very humble way, what the Lord is doing through his life and his ministry He was just sharing as a way of encouragement and prayer request. And as he listed the things that God has taken him through and the things that are yet ahead of him that I already planned for, I couldn't help by feeling a kiwaru in my throat. (laughs) I just felt, surely I am also a minister of the gospel. How come God does not do these things to me also? Of course I was sitting there the way you are sitting looking at me. Very nice and happy And clapping as the Lord <laughs> Celebrating what the Lord had. But deep within I was like Cain I was angry I was wondering Kwani, Some people minister how? <laughs> 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 huh? At the end of the service rather, At the end of that meeting We went to the car and as we got into the car, my wife turned to me and said, you know, I felt so jealous. <laughs> you know, I had not told her what I was feeling. <laughs> so I asked her, what? You know, as he was relating those things, I felt so jealous for you. She was feeling jealous for me. At least somebody was caring. <laughs> the following morning I am in the process of going through the Bible once again as I do through the year. So I started in the book of Genesis and I was just the following morning which was a Monday, I just went to read and it was this chapter chapter 4 of Genesis and it was like God was just speaking to me direct. Why are you so angry? If you do the right thing will you not be accepted? Brothers and sisters, I know that we go through this all the time. I don't think I'm the only sinner in this room (laughs) who feels those things. But God is speaking to us and saying, sin is crouching at our doors. And if we do not master it, notice God tells Cain, That if you do not Sin is crouching at your door And it seeks to have you Not just tempt you and leave you alone But to possess you To have you But you must Master it So two things we must do If we are going to enjoy God's favor The first thing Is that we must do The right thing Now I do not want to stand here And tell you what that right thing is as you are seated here looking at me you know what the right thing is. Between you and your God you know what the right thing is. And in every circumstance every situation that right thing will keep changing. So it is not one right thing for all the time. In your workplace there's a right thing you need to do for to get that promotion. Not to the boss but to the boss Are we together? And you know what that right thing is. In church, you know what the right thing is. In your family, you know what the right thing is. And God is saying, do the right thing. Do the right thing. But the opposite is equally true. If you do not do the right thing, Satan, like a roaring lion, is prowling around seeking whom he may devour. That is Peter's own way of putting what God told Cain. Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to have you. In fact, it says, desiring to have you. You must master it. My time is gone, but I just want to say two things, two illustrations. I said that Jesus... Was tempted in the same way. One time, the disciples, Jesus wanted to stop those who are doing miracles in his name without license. (laughs) And we are told in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, they came to him and said, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Verse 39, do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name, no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Jesus mastered that sin that was crouching at his door. Because he was saying, so who was that? And who gave him permission? <laughs> Similarly, John the Baptist. Learn to master this sin that crouches at his door. In John chapter 3, verse 26, tells us that at one time an argument arose among his disciples. You know, this was our now jealous on his behalf, like my wife. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied in verse 27. And listen to this. This is a powerful statement that John made. A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits to listen for him. And it is full, he is full of joy when the hearts or he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must increase, and I must decrease. John mastered that sin. He would have said, which man? The one I baptized here the other day. And now, he has also started his own ministry <laughs> of baptizing. We are going to deal with him accordingly. I am the only John the Baptist in this place. And no one else is supposed to baptize. But John says, ah, no one can have anything except that which is given to him by God. So when you look at my suit and you think it is better than yours, it is only because it is given to me by God. Don't feel like you are who. Are we together? Are we together? And likewise, when we are driving out and I look at your car and I feel, Oh my God, how comes mine goes to wit, it, t it before it starts? <laughs> A man cannot have anything except that which is given to him by God. Sin is crouching at your door. But you must master it. Let us pray together. Father, we come to you in these last moments of this service. And we are asking of you, O God, that you help us to master this sin that crouches at our door. I'm praying, Jehovah, Father, that more than that, you will help us to be people who know what to do so that we may do it for us to be found in your favor. May we not succumb to the sin of Cain, of being angry and downcast in our spirit and most of all to manipulate and to do things that would cause other people that we think are better than us to fall or to kill them. We pray that you go with us into this week for we pray in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.